Well, we want to welcome all of you who are joining us. So many of you still joining with us online. Welcome to our online crowd. And then we've got, we've got a new batch of online crowd people out there. We've got people that are gathered in some watch parties right now. And, and you may be in somebody's home with your tribe or some friends or some family. So if you're in a watch party, maybe just holler at us in the chat. Give us some, give us some emojis, shout out, and give us some love there. We are so glad and Maybe more of you would want to do that and say, um, uh, I wasn't able to, to get my ticket in time or, or pastor, I got kids, I got five kids that are running crazy and until children's ministry is open, pastor, I love you, but you're going to love me more if I keep my kids under the control of my house, whatever, whatever may, it may be, but um, gather and watch parties during this season. We got uh, Davidson is joining us again. Y'all give a shout out for Davidson. Davidson, great to have you guys back over there in sweet five come on sweet five I know you got I got know you got some noise you may be few in numbers but you're mighty in voice come on sweet five let me hear you and then and then live bodies in Concord come on Concord here we go I want you to grab your copy of God's word and I want you to turn to the book of Zechariah we're going to be in Zechariah for the foreseeable future, and I want to start a, a new series today called Rise in Power. I don't know uh, how this is going to turn out. I did, I, did notice, I did notice that this platform stomps louder, and they even, and they even built me a runway, y'all. They even built me a runway. So I met with, with people actually here. This may, this may turn out a little, uh, a little enthusiastic. Is that okay? Is that okay? Is it okay? Is it okay if I stomp a little bit louder today? And I know online, I know you can feel this just as well. And I, I believe the spirit and the energy is going to transition. Several thousand years ago, um, the people of God were brought into a beautiful land. It was thriving crops and lush green fields. The sound of children's laughter was resonant throughout the areas. Children were playing in the streets. There was growing trade, a bustling economy, safety from their enemies, peace from war. Other nations held them in high esteem and brought them gifts. And it all centered around their place of worship, where they experienced the glory and the presence of God. Unfortunately, it didn't take long for this people of God to begin to take the good things of God for granted. They started to forget about God, neglecting his word, neglecting corporate worship, coming up with their own standards of holiness, allowing compromise in the practices of other people around them who weren't serving God to infiltrate their ranks. And they started to look like other people who weren't serving God more than the people of God. It absolutely broke the Father's heart. He gave message after message, raising up judges and kings and people of righteousness, raising up prophets, men and women of God who would proclaim his word, pleading with his people, come back to me, come back to me. This went on for hundreds of years. Finally, God's love and God's grace had to give way to his justice, which meant a season of captivity. 70, 70 years in captivity, could I, could I say for our purposes this morning, 70 years of quarantine? 
Can you imagine the first wave of people returning to that city after 70 years of quarantine, having heard all the stories of how God had blessed them, all the memories that the grandparents had passed on to the children, and now the grandchildren, and second and third generations coming back with some of those people that remembered those days of God's blessing only to walk over the crest of the hill to find their city in ruins, to look out and see homes that were crumbling, businesses and markets now overgrown, fields now full of thorns and weeds, the streets where the children used to play deserted and empty, places of worship barely recognizable. Today, as our nation emerges and begins to emerge from quarantine, what we're finding is businesses that we thought would reopen still having a closed sign on the door, and we find ourselves wondering, are they going to make it? Parks that are still void of children's laughter, city streets that are literally on fire, a nation divided, so much anger and hate, grieving over acts of racism. See, this was the context to which God raised up Zechariah, Nehemiah, Ezra, others. The book of Zechariah is a book about rebuilding. Some of the things that they had built had been destroyed. Others had been neglected for so long that they were unrecognizable. They had to rebuild worship, rebuild their economy, rebuild family and homes, rebuild their society. Can you imagine the array of emotions, glimmers of hope coupled with uncertainty, the feelings of Is this going to be the same or is it going to look different? Memories, grief over what was lost, but some hope for the future. And I would say the overarching question, whether it was spoken or unspoken, would be this sense of this. Has God left us? Can we rebuild? Does God have a word for us? And that's the same question that I think many are asking today. Does God God have a word for us in church? I believe with all of my heart that he does. Zechariah chapter one, I wanna read four verses. I wanna read verse three, verse six, and then I'm gonna skip down to verses 16 and 17, and I'm going to add a pre-verse that just gives you the context. So here we go. As the nation emerged from quarantine to the sites of a city in ruins, this is the word of the Lord. Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. So they repented And said, as the Lord of hosts had purposed to deal with us for our ways and our deeds, so he has dealt with us. Therefore, thus says the Lord, I have returned with mercy. My house shall be built and my city shall again overflow with prosperity. Again, transport yourself back in time thousands of years because the emotions would be similar to probably many of the emotions that we're navigating and feeling today. Looking at crumbling ruins, what they saw, and then hearing what God said. 
What God was saying was not, I have returned in anger, but I've returned with mercy. What God was saying was not, I've abandoned the church, but my house shall be built. What God was saying is not, oh, I'm giving over the cities of America. I'm done with your nation. What God is saying is my city shall overflow with prosperity again. And yet, and yet we open our eyes and we don't, we don't see it we don't see it I'm telling you like never before the church has to see prophetically we have to see with our spiritual eyes we have to see beyond the images that are on the television screens that I'm telling you are not necessarily the true images and the true representation of all that is going on I'm not saying they're photoshopped but I'm not I'm just saying they're not a true representation of everything that is going on because fear sells We have to see in the spirit. We've got to believe that God is saying, I have mercy for you once again. That God is saying, that God is saying this word. I believe that with all my heart that God is speaking this word over his church and over this land. And it's a word of prosper. It's a word of prosper. And I realize that that word alone is a little bit of a charged word. If you're listening to this and you're getting a little bit nervous, preacher talking about prosperity, what's, where, are you taking, where are you taking this? I, knew, I know about you. I know about you. You grew up in church in the 80s <laughs> with me where, where the enemy hijacked a biblical word and used it for destruction. And I'm reminded about September 11th, 2001, when the enemy hijacked planes and flew them into buildings and used a tool that was a tool for good and used it for destruction. Here's what is the wrong, the wrong response is I'm never getting on an airplane again. I'm never traveling again. And I believe that we walked through a couple of decades where the enemy hijacked a biblical phrase to prosper. God's heart is to prosper you. I believe that God's heart is to prosper you. Watch this. I'm going to show you this through the Bible. If God's heart is not to prosper you, then Eden was a mistake. God, did God create Eden? Say yes. Was it a good and beautiful and wonderful land, void void of sin? It was a prosperous land. They prospered in their relationship. Adam and Eve prospered in their relationship with the Lord. They prospered in their relationship with each other. And they prospered in their relationship with the land. But sin is what caused prosperity to move into a curse. So if prosperity is not God's heart for you, then Eden was a mistake. Revelation 21 and 22 is a lie. And Jesus didn't have to die on the cross. But I believe that Eden was God's plan. I believe that Revelation 21 and 22 is a beautiful picture. By the the way, on Wednesday night during Deeper, we're going to start to walk through the book of Revelation. There's a, lot, there's a lot of questions out there now, right? What, what's going on? Does this tie into the book of Revelation? Pastor, is this the, is this the end times? We're going to walk through the book of Revelation and begin to un, unpack some of this. But I believe that God's heart is prosperity. And, and well, just because it was hijacked doesn't mean that it wasn't God's intent. Here's what biblical prosperity does not mean. 
It doesn't mean that bad things never happen to the people of God. It doesn't mean that we never get sick, that we don't suffer, that we don't struggle. It just means that there's a purpose to those things that ultimately, ultimately leads us to a better place. That God can use and redeem these things. Biblical prosperity, the Hebrew word there is the word taub, T-O-W-B, taub. It means beautiful. It means beautiful across so many areas to your physical senses. Beauty to time and places. Beauty to people and to unity. To land and to animals, to businesses and economy. It means good and getting better. I love that. How are you doing today? I'm good and getting better. Emotions. Glad and merry, our mind and our intellect, how we treat others, our material possessions. How many of you believe we could use some taub? We could use some, some prosperity in our homes again, in our cities again, in our educational systems again, in our, in our hospitals again. You say, Pastor, that sounds great. That sounds great, but how, how do we get there? And I want to I I preach you towards prosper today. So, so imagine with me that you are here. All right, you, you are here, and that, and that back there is this road to prosper. Here, here's, let, me, let me show you, let me walk you through some things here that the enemy can use to try to distract us or derail us or, or actually get us on the wrong road. First of all, here's what the enemy will, will do, is he'll lie to you and he'll say, so, so um, first of all, I gotta tell you that this is, I'm gonna name this repentance roundabout. Repent. Our broadcast location is in Concord, North Carolina. We know about roundabouts now. We didn't know about roundabouts 10 years ago. But we don't have a stop sign in the county now. It's all Poplar Tent. I'm just going, I'm in a roundabout. And, and up on Lane Street, where I, where I live, off exit 63 on 85 roundabouts. Davidson, y'all know about roundabouts too. Over there in Davidson, roundabouts. And, and, and so we've got it. We have to deal with repentance. So first of all, watch this. If you are here and biblical prosperity is here, the road from where you are straight to biblical prosperity does not exist, okay? It, it doesn't. That is the, called the Grand Canyon times a thousand. The chasm from where you are in the natural to where God wants you to be in the supernatural is so deep, so vast, so far, so wide. You have to, you have to get there. You have to walk through. You have to encounter repentance roundabout. And everybody, everybody, no matter of where their stance is or what their belief in the Bible or Jesus is, everybody has the opportunity to encounter repentance roundabout about and here's what it starts to look like it starts to look like conviction conviction means simply this it means a feeling of oh I shouldn't have said that I, I shouldn't have treated the other person that way oh maybe maybe I shouldn't have posted that let your pastor just help you out you shouldn't have repent and take it down there that was my opinion but I'm gonna step back up here and, and repentance is repentance is oh I shouldn't have treated the client like that I didn't I wasn't fair in my taxes when and that's that's called that's called conviction but how we navigate the feeling of conviction all of us all of us have experienced conviction 
took something out of the, the grocery store when you were six years old and you, you knew it. Nobody had to tell you that. Now, somebody may have told you that afterwards with uh, repeated, with, with repeated um, physical force to your backside, but, but you, nobody had to tell. There's just things innate in human nature. It's like, that's not, that's not right. And so, first of all, the enemy will lie to us and he'll say, no, you can just jump to prosperity without going through repentance. No, that's not true. But here's then what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to get us stuck in repentance roundabout. Here's what that looks like. It looks like your 13-year-old self. So here's what you did when you were 13. You were doing what you wanted to do, talking to who you wanted to talk about. Because uh, the, 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 the goal when you were 13 was to be popular, not to stand out and have friends. But then also you came to church on Sunday and you didn't want to go to hell. And pastor was preaching and so you repented on Sunday and you got your life right. But then you had to go back to school on Monday and those same kids that you said you weren't going to hang with out on Sunday were calling you over to their lunch table on Monday. So you walked in to the lunch table and you started doing the same things and then you went to youth group on Wednesday and Pastor Justin and Pastor Wesley preached a really good message or your youth pastor 10 years ago, 40 years ago, 70 years, whatever the case may be and you said, I don't want to go to hell and so you gave your life to Jesus again on that Wednesday night and the same, the same thing, you're like, oh, I don't want to be alone on Friday so you, you do the same things and then you go to summer camp and then the pastor preached a really good message and you really didn't want to go to hell so you got saved saved at youth camp and you were walking it out for another couple of weeks but then you came back and and you started to slip just a little bit and and how many of you have ever been stuck in repentance roundabout say yes and some some of y'all may hold the world record for most times getting saved ever <laughs> How many, when did somebody ask you, you're in, you're in a tribe. Hey, tell me when you got saved. Oh, I got saved when I was four and five and six and seven. And like, we get stuck in this repentance roundabout. I believe, I believe for somebody, God's going to lift you up out of, the, out of the roundabout today. He's going to lift you up. Somebody, you've been dealing with the same cycle of anger the same cycle of addiction, the same cycle. And you say, my granddaddy struggled with it and my daddy struggled with it. You say, you say something like, I've tried so many times. I've been to altars. No, I believe, I believe that God wants to break you out of the cycle where you keep doing the same thing, saying the same thing. But then here's what the enemy, the enemy, the first road. So again, you're here. You experience the emotion of conviction all right, the emotion of conviction, you walk into repentance roundabout, here's the first street that the enemy will say, hey, get off on this street, get off on this street. It's called Shame Street. And, and the, the tragedy is, is that the enemy is a master of taking the godly emotion of conviction and getting you off into the feeling of shame. There's a big difference. Conviction is the kindness of God, not the anger of God. I can show you that biblically. The Bible says the kindness of God leads to repentance, not the anger of God, not God saying I'm done with you, not God saying I'm disappointed with you, but what the enemy will do is he will take thoughts of 
I did something wrong and he'll transfer it to your character and he'll start talking to you and saying things like, you're not a good person. You'll never change. You're not pastors teaching about prosperity. You're in the wrong service. He's talking about everybody but you because you know what you did and you're not good enough to prosper and you made too many. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? And the enemy will try to get you off into this shame street and the end result of shame street is I feel condemned. That word condemned means unfit for use. And so I sit, I either do one of two things. I sit on the sidelines and I don't go to church and I don't get involved in ministry because I don't feel like I'm good enough or I get involved in every ministry because I try to overcompensate and work myself back into the, come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? But either, either way, the enemy has you battling these emotions of shame. And again, I believe today shame breaks in the name of Jesus. So I'm going to, I'm going, I'm headed to prosper. I return with mercy. I want to prosper you. That's God's word. Feelings of conviction. I'm not going to get stuck in the roundabout. I'm not going to detour into into shame street. But then the enemy, here's where the enemy will uh, give you a second detour. See, how I enter and exit a roundabout is crucial. How many of you know that? (laughs) How many of you want me to ride with you and preach this message to other cars around you? I just, pastor, just stand in the middle of the roundabout and direct traffic for you as you enter and exit a roundabout. Uh, the, the first roundabout, our first roundabout, I think, I think in the county is like less than a mile from our broadcast location. Y'all, it was funny when you want, went from the church to, to downtown Concord. You, y'all remember that about 10 years ago? It was funny. People like not, not knowing what to do. Like, how do I, how do I? And if you mess up a roundabout, you can mess up your destination. Like if you just, I don't know how to deal with this and you just get off on the first street, I don't want to deal with it. God's convicted me. I'm going to get off the, I'm going to get off here. This is, this is easy. But here's what happens. You get off on stubborn, stubborn avenue. And stubborn avenue looks like this. I don't like that emotion of conviction. And so I'm going to stay in the lobby while worship is going on. Uh Uh-oh, pastor's getting real. Uh, I'm going to stay in the lobby while worship is going on because I feel conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to deal with conviction. And I'm not going to hang around. I'm not going to hang around my my Christian friends anymore because I know they're going to call me on my mess. And I don't want to get my life right. Uh, Stubborn avenue looks like this. It looks like nothing is ever your fault. It looks like it looks like blaming others. It looks like this. Yeah, God, but did you see so-and-so? They're way down the road. They're doing way worse things than I'm doing, and I'm not doing that. And here's the danger. Here's the danger of stubborn avenue. It's not that the Holy Spirit stops pursuing you. It's that your heart becomes so callous and becomes so hard that you can't feel him anymore. You don't feel the nudges anymore. I don't feel him when he's correcting me. I don't feel him when he's not. You shouldn't have talked to that person like that. You shouldn't have done that. And we can live in the rebellion of stubborn avenue. But again, I'm telling you, just because you left God doesn't mean that God left you. I can prove it from the Bible hundreds of years, even pre-Jesus. God's people rebelled over and over and over and over again. They don't not 
only were living, they, like they built their city on stubborn avenue, but God still went after them, and God's still going after you. He's still going after somebody that you're like, I don't even know why. I don't even know why I'm watching this right now. And somebody sent me a Facebook link, but, and I'm running away from God. No, you're running stops now because God's purposes for you haven't changed. His plans for you haven't changed. You're not living in God's second best. You're about to step back in. Come on, the Holy Spirit's calling you back into the roundabout today because he wants to prosper you. Don't you love, I love that word prosper. Y'all ought to study that word prosper. It didn't leave any aspect of life uncovered, did it? I'm going to prosper in my relationship with Jesus. I'm going to prosper in my business. I'm going to prosper in my intellect and my educational pursuits. I'm going to prosper as a parent raising children who will be counterculture and live counterintuitively to the ways of the world. I'm going to prosper in my ministry. Our church is going to prosper. We are going to grow and take more cities and multiply for the kingdom of God. We are going to prosper. But we got to, again, we got to deal with the reality of how to get there. In 1871, there was a, a fire. So the, the pandemic at that, at that time um, in America's cities were fires. Remember, how were, how were cities built? It was largely out of wood and out of combustible uh, materials, so we didn't have sprinkler systems. They weren't, they weren't built out of, uh, we didn't have firewalls. We didn't have fire marshals coming through and giving inspections and, and all of these things that we have today. So remember, one, one little spark in 1871 could set a city ablaze. And that's, that's what happened October 8th through the 10th in 1871. A fire destroyed heavily populated portions of Chicago. There were, there were 17,000, over 17,000 buildings were destroyed. 73 miles of streets destroyed. 90,000 people, 90,000 people, one in three people in Chicago were, were homeless. So they, they estimate, fortunately, that the death rate was fairly low. They only found about 120 bodies, but they think about 300 people uh, perished in the fire. Um, every, every life important. Fortunately, though, uh, just, just percentage-wise, not a huge percentage, but one out of every three uh, people without a home. 13 days before the fire, a brand new hotel had opened called the Palmer House. And as the architect of that hotel was standing in the Palmer House and could see the fires and smell the smoke, and he knew that the fires were gonna come towards brand new hotel. He poured his life in. He was the architect, he was the designer. Third, 13 days, they were just beginning to welcome in out-of-town dignitaries and, and different people into the city. And, and you can imagine the joy and, and the celebration quickly turning to fear and panic is, uh, is this fire going to affect us? Is this going to affect my business? Is this going to affect my family? And so he took a set of blueprints 
And he went down to the basement of the Palmer house and he buried the set of blueprints in the ground that was, the ground was largely made out of sand and out of clay. He said, why didn't he, why didn't he get out of there and take them, uh, blueprints with him? Well, he did get out of there, but remember the bridges were on fire too. And so he didn't know if he took the blueprints with him, if he was going to make it out of the city or if the blueprints were going to make it. And so he thought, I'm going to bury, I'm going to bury the blueprints. Fires came through, destruction. The residents from the city of Chicago emerged. They looked across the smoldering ruins of places where children played where schoolhouses were alive with education, houses of worship proclaiming the messages, uh, the, message, the message of the gospel, homes and apartment buildings, economy, and they, they looked out over the city and they saw the dust and they, they saw the ruins. So the architect goes back to the spot where he buried the blueprint, probably with the emotions of how am I going to rebuild? How am I going to rebuild? And he began to dig, and what he found was something pretty fascinating. See, sand and clay are the two main ingredients of a building material that we know as terracotta. And terracotta is fireproof. And so what he did maybe even a little bit unknowingly, is he buried the blueprints in a fireproof safe and he dug those blueprints up. Now watch this. How do you rebuild after crisis? You got to go back to the blueprints. See, they found the blueprints. I got good news for you, church. I'm not turning a, a deaf ear and a blind eye. There are real problems outside of these doors. But I got some good news for you. I got some real good news for you. I found the blueprints. I, I, I said I, I found the blueprints. I found the blueprints, the blueprints where we, if we choose to build our church and to build our lives and to build our families and to build our businesses on the word of God, the never, the fireproof word of God, the word of God that withstands every heat. The word of God that withstands the flaming arrows that the enemy would try to throw. The word of God that withstands the hatred. The word of God that withstands, I'm telling you, the devil doesn't have a tool that can come against the word of God. This word of God is fireproof. I found the blueprints, church. But I think here's, here's our challenge. Couple, couple of real specific challenges. Like let's let's dig into this just for just for a moment. Number one, when they found those blueprints, the blueprints were the blueprints. Hear your pastor's heart. If I'm standing there as a builder, I don't need some joker's opinion when they're walking by. I need what's in the blueprints. I said, I need what's in the blueprints. I don't need somebody. Well, I, well, well, I feel, 
I feel like the beam should go here. No, I need the blueprints. I'm talking, we got Brian and Beth down here. They own a construction company. If you're building a, if you're building a church and somebody just walked, oh, Brian, I just, I feel like, I feel like that load-bearing wall shouldn't be there. That ain't going to turn out. I don't care what you feel. If it's not in the blueprints, y'all, we don't get to pick and choose. You can't like a verse about justice and not like a verse about sexuality. I'm just saying. You don't pick and choose. You can't like a verse about grace and not like a verse about morality. I'm just saying, the blueprints are the blueprints. And either we take all the blueprints or throw them all out. But I'm telling you, this is a church and that is going to rebuild. I said, we're going to rebuild on the blueprints. Everything is going to be rebuilt on the blueprints. Our worship is going to re be rebuilt on the blueprints. The way we parent our children is going to be rebuilt on the blueprints. The way we run our businesses are going to be rebuilt on the blueprints in the name of Jesus. You're, you're clapping now. now. Now I might make you mad. Let me push just a little bit more. What, what the messages that you continually expose your mind to will determine how your life is rebuilt on the other side of this. Can I dare you to go a week without watching the news? I'm just throwing, I'm just saying, give it a week. Give it a week. And then come back and tell me if your mind is not better. If, you're, if your emotions are not stronger. If your hope and your faith, just give it a week. I'm just, I'm just daring you. All right, I'm gonna lose more friends now. I'm gonna lose, I'm gonna lose a lot. I, I dare you to get off social media for a week. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, what if, what if you took the time that you watch the news and all of your Facebook time, and what if you soaked in the blueprints? What if you said, I'm going to begin my day in the book of Psalms, giving glory to God? lifting up my voice and giving him praise what if you gave your lunch hour to proverbs and said there is not a problem that our world is facing today that my god doesn't have the answer to and he's going to bring the answer to me but the answer isn't going to come through somebody's opinion on twitter it's going to come through the word of god what if you took your lunch your lunch hour and dove through the book of proverbs and then what if you took your evening news time and read the book of James or read a book about justice or read the gospel of John and to where we start stepping into unity like never before. I'm just saying, could you do it? Could you, could you give it a week and just try and just see? I'm off. I'm off. So this is a little counterintuitive because we got a lot of people watching us on Facebook right now. 
So, so don't, don't click off of me yet. <laughs> you know, you, if you need to hop on to watch church service, but just know, just know cfachurch.com and, and my, my online team is going to be mad at me. And I, like, I get it. We're going to lose. We're going to lose some, some Facebook numbers. I get, I get it. I get it. That's all right. God's got us. He'll, he'll, bring, he'll bring us through this. Hop on Facebook, share it. That's what I, I gave my account login to Pastor Nate. So you'll see this week, Pastor's not on, off of Facebook. No, that's, that's Nate. He's posting for me. So he's getting out content. If he says something you don't like, write him an email. It's not me. Can we stand all across this auditorium if you're in your home, Davidson? Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? I want to, I just want to walk somebody through repentance roundabout right now. This is a divine moment. Come on, I need you to just tune out distractions. This is a divine moment for somebody in the name of Jesus. God has you watching this feed. He has you in another location. He's got you in Sweet Five. He's got you in Davidson. This is not by accident. This is a divine appointment. You would say, Pastor... I want out of this roundabout. I've been stuck in the same sin, battling the same junk over and over again. I need out. Some of you are here and you say, Pastor, I'm down the road of shame and I feel so lonely. I feel so disqualified. The enemy's been lying to me in shame. Others of you are over on Stubborn Street and you said, Pastor, I've tried to do it my own way. I've tried to live my own life. No matter where you're out on, at on this roundabout, you can come back in. The you know what's in the center of the roundabout? The cross is in the center of the roundabout. And the cross is always drawing you. John 8, 44. No man can come to the Father except the Spirit draws him. The Spirit is drawing you right now. And so I just feel, feel led. This is going to take just a, a minute longer, but I feel led to do this one at a time. Come on, if you are stuck in the, if you're stuck in the roundabout, I can't shake. Same pattern in the name of Jesus. I just want you to slip up a hand right where you're at. And you can put it right back down. If you with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you would say, Pastor, I, I, I've gone down. The enemy has been lying to me and he's got me locked into shame. Would you just slip up your hand and put it right back down? Now, if you would say, Pastor, I'm doing my own thing, living my own life. I know God's chasing after me, but I've been running from him. I want you to just slip up your hand and you can put it right back down. And now all of you, this is your time where you're coming back to the cross. And I'm telling you, you're not just coming back to the cross. You're, you're on the road to prosperity. Come on, everybody, say this prayer out loud and just mean it in your heart. Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry. I repent. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. Dear Jesus, I ask you to help me to live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose in Jesus name amen come on church let's celebrate with those who said yes to Jesus today